Hello, welcome to Kill the Bottle Podcast. Eddie's Mora, aka the Yum Yum Foodie here. And as always, with an intrigued look in her face and a glass in her hand is Megan Elizabeth. I have as- no glass. Listen, fuck, can you suspend disbelief for like three fucking... There's the glass in her hand. Look at that shit. There is a glass. Wait a second, and you're not drinking out of your Francia Corta glass? No, that's like I got this on my wedding. I didn't ask for this, and I think some aunt gave me this on my well, wedding day. At least you got something out of your wedding. It. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I kept the glass, not the husband. <laughs> you know, it's probably it served you much better. Uh, Eddie, you wouldn't believe where you're going to talk about the wines in a second, but you wouldn't believe what just happened to me with this this wine. What just- I don't know. I so I took off the top, right? Yeah. Like I took off the top. And then I walked away for a second oh, and then babe. came and sat back down. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it popped and it exploded all over me, all up in the air. Like, so that's like, th- thank you. So that's a rule of sparkling wine, which I'll get to in a, in a second. And you know what? It's better you learn the hard way. It's not like I you did. burned your hand on the stove, which is, you know, which I is knew, a common way. It was just going to do that. I thought it, it, it would give me a second, no, just one no. second for me to walk away. So, so that is, it's called the cage. And, mm-hmm. you, you know, a cage tends to keep things in or keep right. things out. And right. in this particular case, the cage keeps the cork in the bottle of sparkling wine. Because imagine right. this bottle was made in France, traveled its long ass way over here. And God knows yeah. the amount of shake and bake it's had before it made it to your house. And my dog is going crazy. One second. Oh, no. <laughs> I like how he just left in the middle of that story. <laughs> is it a puppy? No, it's he. I don't know how old his dog is. Okay. I should. He talks about him all the time. <laughs> so, sorry about that. So, uh, normally I shoot in my little cocktail bar in my house, the pecking room, but that is in use at the moment. So, I cannot record back there today. So, you know, unfortunately, I don't live in a Beverly Hills mansion with 70 rooms in it. Maybe someday. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I want 70 rooms in it. But my dog, Indy, just heard something outside and he whipped bash it crazy. Actually, he probably heard the cork blowing up yeah, in your, in your apartment, Megs. Uh, how was your St. Patrick's Day? Oh, yeah. I don't remember. How was yours? You don't even celebrate. I, hello, I am brown and Latin, okay? I don't pretend to celebrate white holidays, girl. I don't like there's no like I have no I don't I don't give a baker's fuck. That's 13 fucks about St. Patrick's Day. I don't care. But I do love, uh, you know, I love Irish whiskey. I love Irish people. I love Irish food. But I don't, you know, appropriate Irish culture to go get shit faced. That's just me. What? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just me. I I don't like I'm not Mexican. I don't celebrate Cinco de Mayo, you know, more power. Like I get it. I totally get right. Actually, Mexican people don't really celebrate Cinco de Mayo. They don't give a shit about Cinco de Mayo. Oh, interesting. Now, that, that's, that's some good marketing, which, fuck it, I'm all about that, too. Uh, speaking of, we're, so we're drinking a couple of wines here today. Megan already got a nice, fancy, fancy festive taste of the sparkling we're drinking, so I'll, I'll mention that first. Uh, first thing we're drinking is from a winery called Amory in, uh, um, well, it's a, it's a type of sparkling wine called Cremant. Uh, Cremant is spelled with a T at the end, like Cremant, but, you know, one of the rules, or not a rule, but it's always nice, like, if you go out to a restaurant, you know, and and you're trying to learn about wine a little bit, try to figure out how to pronounce certain wines, Uh, you know, (coughs) you feel like less of an asshole when you do it, so this is pronounced Cremant, and it's essentially, I like to call it, like, champagne on a beer budget, Um, it's made with the same dual fermentation process as champagne, um, but it's not from the Champagne region of France. They're from all over. The one we're drinking from, uh, we're, the one we're drinking is a brute from Limon. It's called Amélie, and uh, it retails for about thirty-five bucks. And uh, via WTSO, it's like fourteen bucks. So it is definitely a good value sparkling wine. I haven't tasted it yet. How do you dig it, Megan? I haven't tried it yet, so I'm, I'm still. Yeah, it's good. It's really mm-hmm. good. Yeah. And uh, next thing I'm re- uh, we're gonna, which is what I'm sipping on right now, is a ninety-five point uh, Languedoc. And uh, this is a predominantly Syrah-based wine, also Carignan. I, one, one thing I like to note about Syrah is Syrah wines, at least for me, are really good food wines. They have a lot of like nice structure, uh, really full-bodied. Even though this is a French Syrah, uh, it's also at a really good price point because it retails for about 50 bucks, And on WTSO, it's $13.99. So this is like a real good, 
Like, it's kind of like, you you know, people come to your house and they're like, oh shit, we're drinking a $50 wine. But you're like, no, I paid $14 for it. And it's really good. So I'm, I'm really digging this red wine. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm saving it. I'm saving it because we're leaving for a week and I'm not going to finish these bottles by myself. I, I can, but I I'm know. not going to. By, by the time you folks listen to the episode, Megan and I will have already gone back from Sonoma and Napa, uh, where we're doing a couple of episodes of Kill the Bottle up there. And hopefully a few of you folks, I know it was last minute, came and got to see Megan, you know, drink in, per- in person. It's kind of like going, I don't know, to the to the polar bear exhibit. Yeah. yeah. See Megan, Megan drinking in person. It's 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 fun. It's it's <laughs> a lot of fun. <laughs> um so speaking of exhibit, let me tell you, our our guest on on the show today was on a reality cooking show and they almost I mean, I can't imagine how you feel when somebody and people are just staring at you like you are uh, kind of something in the zoo because it is it is a wild show. Um, you know, you'll remember one of our previous guests was Chef Richard Blaze, who was a judge on this particular show. And uh, we want to welcome to Kill the Bottle Podcast all the way from Houston, Texas, um, Chef Mariah Scott, one of the finalists from Next Level Chef. How you doing, Mariah? Hi. Hey. I'm doing Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> I, well, we're first of all, I was a super fan of the show because uh, Richard got me hooked at it. I'm not gonna lie. Richard was telling me about it. Um, not none of the results or anything like that, but Richard was talking to me about like this cool concept and the show uh, that he was working on. And I was like, yeah, you know, there's a million fucking reality shows. And then all of a sudden, I saw on like Super Bowl, not Super Bowl, but I saw on like an NFL Sunday, playoff Sunday. I saw the sound. I was like, oh shit, he was not. <laughs> Like, you have to be King Kong to climb up that fucking set. Like, I was so impressed by that. Um, it was, like, super legit, for, for real. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was like, oh, my God. So, first of all, I mean, c- congratulations. You and you were my, my wife and I's favorite. Um, and, <laughs> like, like, all seriousness, you are the only contestant on that show uh, that I have approached about, you know, being being on Kill the Bottle. Not because of anything else, just because we, you know, I, I really loved watching your journey and uh, and just how creative you were as a chef. I can't even fathom, you know, being part of a cooking contest and being part of that kind of a cooking contest. Because it's like you were standing in front of a pitching machine and they were throwing curveballs all day <laughs> Left long. And right. I half the time I didn't even know what was going on. I just showed up. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna ask. <laughs> you and Megan share that in common. It's perfect. I feel like they have to be so meticulous in planning a show like that, but at the same time, watching it, it felt like chaos. Like it just it, felt like chaos. It was chaos. It, it, what you felt watching it is how we felt during the whole show. It was how I felt watching it with the viewers. Like <laughs> just. <laughs> Yeah, that's how I felt every day, for sure. I mean, if and if you can, I don't, I don't know if this is something you you can talk about or not. But I'm I'm curious about the just how the duration of of time was between episode to episode. Were you guys shooting like every day, kind of thing? Um, we were pretty much shooting every day. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, just you know watching it and consuming. You're you're trying to figure yeah. that out a little bit. Okay. Yeah, because that's a but tedious we were there show. For duration, the ones that were there um, through the finale, we were there for about a month. Okay. Got it. Yeah. yeah. That wow. that makes perfect sense because I remember Richard saying he was down he was down there for about a month. So yeah. 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 That what makes- was the what what was the hardest part? What what was the thing that absolutely was the hardest part? <sighs> There's so many hard I parts. know. <laughs> I would say probably the toughest thing is it's mental the mental challenge aspect. You know, I mean, you know, we're all great chefs. We all can cook, but it's, it's the mental, it's the pressure, it's the time restraints. It's the, I don't know what's going to come on the platform. It's the curveballs, Like you were saying, it's just, you have to be mentally tough and ment- mentally strong to be able to arrive to the location, you know, to the, to the location. Yeah. And the challenge of throwing at you. Well, you almost feel like whenever you watch any show, like nobody watches Chopped saying they're going to make it really easy on the chefs on there today. No, they're out to which which, you know, as as a consumer of good food and a fan of of great chefs like yourself, you know, I find that it, it can do a disservice. But again, it's designed to entertain. So they have to create the entertainment factor um, because somebody could be a great chef and just shit the bed on one of those episodes. And, you know. 
and and because of editing and because of whatever, um, cannot be given justice to their level of cooking. Now, I did feel that across the board on this particular show, they they did a good job as far as highlighting the really good aspects of every dish and every chef. Of course, you know, there's entertainment. Gordon's got to yell at somebody, and he's he can. He's Gordon Ramsay, and he's earned it. Um, right. And 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 I get it. And but still, I still think that they did a really good job compared to many other shows that I've watched, where uh, you know they they don't always shed a good light on on people uh, and 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 their growth and you know and making mistakes because everybody makes mistakes. Very was- true, and I would have to agree for sure. I think they did a good job with the cast in kind of highlighting. Um, different aspects of all of us. I totally agree. You know, so speaking of the cast, because I've never been, I've only been on one quote unquote competition in my life. And it was my first ever TV show where I was on like a, a, a talk show and we shot like a bunch of live talk shows with a bunch of hosts and people would vote for the host. And I, you know, I was lucky enough that enough people voted for me that I got cast in it. Right. But th- there is a level of camaraderie with the purple people that you work with. But how do you find yourself or how do you make it work so that you can support people you care about, but at the same time want to kick their ass? You know, there, there's, there's, but it, it is because, I mean, there's a lot of money on the line. And, and not only that, there's prestige. And at the end of the day, you don't go on the show unless you have some level of, of a competitive bug. So how did you make that work? <sighs> you want to know the truth? <laughs> I mean, yeah, shit. <laughs> so I- I'm 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 an introverted extrovert. Um, I love being social, but I'm also if there's something that I'm trying to attain or go after, I'm very good at channeling and focusing myself. I meditate all the time, so I'm really good at ignoring outside noise. As yeah. one of the episodes of the show, but um, so throughout the whole filming process, I was kind of in my own little bubble. I was like on a couch with my hood on. Or I was outside meditating, but you did have, you know, certain groups of people that did kind of form bonds, but I made it very clear from the beginning, actually, one day we were coming from, um, from shooting into the hotel and everyone was chit-chatting and having a great time. And, you know, I was like, I just want to make this very clear. I'm not here to make any friends. Yeah. And I went to the hotel room and that was it. <laughs> I mean, but that, that's fair oh. as opposed yeah. to putting a fake face on and, you know, because at the end of the day, I know you cook in teams for folks who haven't seen the show. I really invite you to go back and watch it on demand. It is a it's a pretty compelling and well done show. It, it really is. I mean, there's always going to be things that, you know, season two will be, you know, they'll raise the stakes here, raise the stakes there. But I invite you to to really watch it. it it's a it's a well done show. But you don't have to put that fake face on. You know, there's times you got to work well, together and then times you're just like, hey, I'm still I'm still going to try to kick your ass. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like you said, it wasn't like I till this day, I still talk to everyone. We're all you know, we have a a friendship. So it wasn't that I'm resistant to feedback or talking to you or, you know, being chummy. But that's not my intent for being here. So I just kind of wanted to put it out there. So people, you know, I'm not being standoffish. Yeah, I'm focused and I'm I'm trying to win. (laughs) Yeah. So I wanted to kind of just throw it out there at the very beginning. I mean, you have a, a pretty compelling story, and uh, I was extremely touched and moved when, when you know they they did a they did a as as opposed to other shows where they take like this deep dive. Like if you watch American Idol, they'll take that deep tearjerker dive into like somebody's background. These this show in particular felt like it scratched the surface a little bit, but in the little bit that it scratched the surface on your story, I mean, I was so compelled by you know knowing that you're from the Bay Area. And and you said, fuck it. And you packed your car and you just drove across the country, uh, you know, to Houston. And it, did 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 your child like what in your childhood, I guess, made you more suited or better as a competitor? I think that for one, um, it's prepared me to deal with. Uh, challenges that are thrown at you without being prepared for them and you're having to adapt. Um, so I think adaptability for sure um, from my childhood and we moved around a lot and you have to just go to new schools and form all these friendships. And so you just have to kind of roll with the punches. And I think the competition, that's what it was about. You just have to roll with the punches. So I was the whole platform and everything. I'm like, this is the story of my life. Like, <laughs> you know, so for me, um, it, it was just kind of a natural 
something I just kind of grew up with. And, you know, when you're, when you're hungry, you just go in the fridge, you, 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 you make it work, you figure it out. And that's yeah. what next level chef was about. You figure it out and you make it work. Does being a private chef kind of help that? Are you ever in your private chef world? I don't know how the menu planning works, but is that ever like just fucking look in the fridge and figure out what's there and let's make something gourmet out of it uh, for some of your no, clients? I wish, I wish it was like that, but no. <laughs> no. There's a lot of planning, a lot of back and forth. Um, but I will say being a private chef has prepared me for the competition because as a, as a private chef, you're doing everything. You're washing dishes, you're meal planning, you know, you're um, outsourcing things, you know, so you're not just designated to one station if, is that, as if, if I was working in a restaurant. Um, so being a private chef, you're kind of having to do a little bit of everything. And that's kind of how it was on the show as well. You're kind of just having to figure things out, you know, yeah. on the fly. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I will tell you just from a consumer watching it, 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 you compared to all of the other contestants came off to me as the most versatile of of the chefs because you i mean from your chicken lollipops to which those look bomb as fuck by the way i'm not gonna lie i was watching and i was like ah oh, shit man i want some of that. <laughs> and i was on i was on keto and i'm like oh i can't eat that right now i can't do any of the chicken lollipops um but to to you know some of your asian fusion that you were throwing in a lot of spices those those are not easy to work with let alone in the short amount of time and then let alone with the master level of palates of of Nisha Arrington, uh, you know Gordon Ramsay and Richard Blaze, so I thought you where where some people would lean on a, a story too much. You were like, no, I'm going balls to the wall, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But it was uh, I I want to commend you because I was so courageous as a consumer watching to see you just do that. Thank you, I appreciate that. Um, I would say that's probably one of my strengths, or. I, don't, I just enjoy tapping into different, you know, cultures. Um, growing up, I've had friends from all different backgrounds and, you know, being a kid in the Bay Area, I went to school with a lot of Filipinos. I lived in Pasadena. I went to school with a lot of Latinos. This so, is Pasadena right here, girl. Are you? Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I went to elementary school in Pasadena. Um, oh. And we were the only black kids in a full, you know, Latin um, elementary school. So you learn people's cultures, you know, you're, you're, that's just kind of how I grew up and that's how I cook. But I mean, when did you start cooking? Cause you know, when you were a kid and you were learning about these cultures, you weren't, were you cooking? Um, or, or no. Um, I was, I was kind of cooking a little bit, but not international influence until I more so became a flight attendant. That's when I tapped into all these different cultures and stuff. But growing up, I just cooked just whatever. My mom bought me an easy bake oven and whatever I could find in the fridge, I'll just stuff in there with the light bulb, make it work. I'm trying to open the sparkling <laughs> wine now and not and not blow up my house <laughs> like I did, like I did. So go back a second. So you were a flight attendant. Yes. All right. Tell me everything. <laughs> so I tried to be a flight attendant um, years ago and okay. they were so specific on what they want. Like you make sure you don't have tattoos, this and that. Um, and again, this had to be like 10 years ago, maybe even 11 years ago when I was trying to do this. Um, how did you get that job? Why did you get that job? And what was it like? That's actually why I ended up in Houston um, is because I uh, got the opportunity. Being a flight attendant, like you said, is very tricky. You would think they're hiring you to like cure something. Because <laughs> <I know. laughs> so yeah. They don't hire you until after you go through training. Mm -hmm. So I got the opportunity. I was invited to training and I was like, oh man, like, okay, quit my job, packed up my little Jetta and drove mm -hmm. from San Francisco. Uh, actually, my mom and I drove from San Francisco to Houston. Um, and I went, actually, no, I'm sorry, rewind. So I was invited to go to training. And so I mm -hmm. went to Houston, was in training for almost a month. And then they offered me the position. So then I went back home, packed up my whole car, my little dog, and we drove to Houston. And that's how I kind of ended up here. Um, and so that the the interview process, they interview you, and then they make you. Tr they pay you for training, right? Yeah, they give you a pretty oh, good. They pay you <laughs> okay. in small liquor bottles, right? Small. <laughs> Tiny <laughs> liquor bottles. Something, man. It, was, it was something. Um, and how how long did you were you a flight attendant for, or uh, are you still doing it? No, oh no, good, um, good. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I left flying to pursue culinary. Um, I flew for almost six years. Wow. Yeah. 
um, it was, it was, it was something. It was amazing. It was an amazing experience for sure. Well, so, okay. So me thinking Houston, you were either continental that became United. Uh, so I'm just trying to think, did you fly mostly national or did you get to do some international? Cause I know they're, they have hubs in like Frankfurt. Uh, mm-hmm. did, did you get to do both? I think she said international. Oh, majority. Yeah. Majority international. I was actually my whole career. I was on, I was on call. Uh, for almost six years. So they would call me two hours. I would have to go to the airport, go to Japan. Oh, we need you. I would be in Germany. Yeah, I was. How do you date people and do that? Oh, gosh. (laughs) And grab your wine. But our guest last week. You just don't. (laughs) Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's give credit real quick before she answers. Darrell Smith, who was uh, our, our guest last week, his girlfriend is a flight attendant, and he just goes with her to a bunch of places. So... You know, it, 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 it seems to be working all right for him. All right. Sorry, Mariah. <laughs> no, that's okay. You know, actually, throughout my career flying, I was in a relationship. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. With the pilot. Um, <laughs> yes. I, that, Megan's dreams. Yeah. That's my dream. <laughs> Isn't it? You were living my dream. <laughs> so uh, how are no, you digging the wine, by the way? I'm just curious. Well, yeah, that's a good um, in window for the wine. It's delicious. It's very actually easy to drink, right? Um, but it's very flavorful, but easy to drink, which is now, kind of dangerous. In in your <laughs> yeah. I, yeah right in in hmm. your sh- uh, private chef world, I'm only I'm I mean I'm friends with a couple of private chefs, and uh, you know, luckily the the like the, the I'd say the private chef I'm closest friends with is a is a chef named Richard Ingram, and you know he has one client which is Dwayne Wade and and Gabby Union. And they're they're like wine lovers, so he doesn't really worry too much about pairing wines for them for any of the dinners. Um, is that something that you like to do, or is that something your clients will maybe buy a wine and uh, you know and ask you to to make a meal revolving around that wine? Um, it's it's something if I'm like approached with the idea, like um, I do work like for a client throughout the week, but if I do like private events and stuff, like I'll I've done tastings where you pair it with the wine. Um, but if they inquire about it, I'm totally down for that. Like, I love like seeing menus, you know what I mean? That have purpose. Absolutely. What's, what's your, you know, what's your go-to beverage? Doesn't have to be wine. Like what's, what's your go-to, like you're what, like you're watching your trash murder porn on Netflix and (laughs) Hey, whatever, man. I, 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 I watched, I I watched all the murder porn on Netflix. Oh my gosh. I watched this murder thing on Netflix the other night. I was like, what is happening? It's called um, Worst Roommate Ever. Oh, yeah. I yeah. watched that too. <laughs> Great name for a show. Yeah. Don't trust an old lady who takes care of transient homeless folks. I just saw that one last night. That's the one I watched last night. I was yeah. like, get out of here. They're like, that's why your roses grow so perfectly is because it's growing above six dead people. Um, <laughs> that's like seriously. Uh, but what's yeah. your go-to beverage? So I would say last night watching that, I was drinking red wine. Okay. Uh, I like I like red wine. I like a port and a whiskey. Those are my my go tos. Uh, bourbon, scotch, Japanese whiskey. What's what's your? Who's, who's buying? Okay, fair enough. You're buying. <laughs> First, you're buying, <laughs> and then secondly, you know, Fox is buying at Next Level Chef like reunion dinner. Japanese whiskey all day. Something all right, rare. cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, imagine you, you got to spend some time going over, uh, you know, going over to Japan and it is, I've been there twice and it is, it's a life changing experience. Um, not even just watching, not even the beverage programs only, but just the attention to detail, uh, the level of excellence and service. I recommend anybody who, who plans on getting into food, um, whether you want to work front of the house, back of the house. I mean, you know, first of all, Jap- Japan's amazing. The food's amazing. But just to experience the way that they serve people at a restaurant. There's so much pride. So much. Even presenting yeah. a bottle that they didn't distill. Like if you go to a Japanese restaurant and you order a, I don't know, you order a bullet bourbon from Kentucky, they present the bottle. It is this, uh, they don't, you know, I think they almost look at things, first of all, with honor, of course, but it's like, you never know when your last meal is going to be. So let's make this shit nice. Let's let, mm-hmm. you know. In, in the most finite experience. All right, so cool. You're, you're drinking the Japanese whiskey. I like it. I like it. This and I like what you say because that's how I feel about food. Like, yeah. for me, like, it's a vibe. Like, I don't want to just eat something. Like, I want to be presented. I want an experience. And so that's kind of how I approach food. Is there, is there something you, you 
hate doing in the kitchen? <laughs> I, I hate garlic. I hate messing I with hate, garlic. I hate peeling garlic. Me That's too. Yes. I hate it sticks, I buy garlic. it sticks everywhere. Then I got, you know, my dog's walking around with garlic like stuck to his face because it falls on the floor and then he's trying, you know, I, I, yeah, I can't do, what about you, Megs? Is there something you hate? I don't think I've ever asked you that. I don't think you have asked me that. I'm going to go with garlic as well. It's, <laughs> it's, it seems like a lot, you know, for just a little, <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's a lot for a lot. Garlic does a lot. So let's I, be real. But yeah, it just seems like meticulous and like, tedious and dude that's the one thing i will buy that bag of pre-peeled garlic i i know megan oh, you will? Say it, costco yeah i don't give a shit it's 10 bucks i don't care it'll last everyone me. drink he said costco i know sorry it's, a, it's part of the drinking every time i say i I, hang on, <laughs> I i own stock in costco too but it is funny like i will buy the peeled garlic the california organic gilroy <laughs> garlic that's peeled yeah. and i'm like i don't care I don't care if it yep. costs me 10 times as much because 10 times as much in garlic is still only like 10 bucks. <laughs> so like right. I can I can live with that. And, you know, at the end of the day, if anything's going to go bad, I make like a garlic confit and I jar that shit and I just smush it on bread or something. Um, okay. You know, what do you you know, what are you going to do out, out of everything you made? Was there was there one thing that were like, this was my favorite? This is the one. This is this is my jam. Because you did make some amazing stuff. I'm not going to lie. But there, you know, is there one that you were like, I got this today? I kind of felt like that a lot. I mean. Well, you did get it a lot. Let's, a lot. let's be honest. Yeah. You did. <laughs> but, I'm not trying to sound like an asshole. No? <laughs> you know, every time I put up a dish, I felt very strong about it. Um, because I was always approaching something new. So when it came out, like I'm like, man, this is like dope. Because I go into it not even knowing what I'm going to do. You know, um, a lot of people were practicing recipes or they had, you know, oh, I made this before, I'm going to do this again. And so they'll go in with the intent of looking for certain ingredients of where I was just like, eh, whatever's on there, I'm just going to see what happens. So every dish that came together, I was very proud. I was very proud about. Um, But overall, I I think as like a whole, I think I'm proud all my proteins were cooked really well in every in every challenge. Yeah, there, there's a joke. Um, there's a joke that Chef Katsuji, uh, who was a guest on the show season one, Katsuji Tanabe from Top Chef, he has this ongoing joke that he always says, and his hashtag is like, I took a risk, because that's like the risk. most cliched line in every food competition show. But people I will say, I took a risk, risk, and it's like the biggest bunch of bullshit. It was like, they took yeah. a risk on making a well-done burger, or they took a you know what I mean? Like something crazy. Right. Um, right. But you, you really did. And there were so many times where, you know, I I understand editing. I've worked in TV for 20 years. I get how that shit works. But at the same time, I worked on as a judge on a food competition show. And I understand how that works. And I understand the pressures of the real time clock. Mm -hmm. And you in particular, uh, just, you know, you, you, you got a set of huevos on you uh, with whatever was handed to you. You were, you, like, you know, they tell you the, the path of least resistance is a straight line. You were zigzagging across the board to get from A to B and you still got there. And what is there? Is there some, did you ever catch yourself doing that? Like, no, this shit's too easy. I got to make it. I got to level it, you know, next level. Or what, how would you approach uh, your protein or your dish to make it next level? Because it's easy to be like, I've made, you know, lobster thermidor a million times or I've made this or that, you know, where you're like, shit. Or did you look at other people and see what they picked and be like, no, 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 no. I got to grab this, 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 and this. Because you have such a short window of time. I, I know it's a deep question, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm fascinated at the, you know, it's almost like a military strategic strike, like a missile strike. When you're in these shows, you really got to be precise and, and intent. And when people don't have intention, that's when you see them get knocked out quick or, or, or crap out or shit the bed. What was your approach when you when you got an ingredient or got something to be like, okay, no, 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 let me step away from what's easy to me and or maybe pick an aspect that's easy to me and then it, it elevate it? I will say the first thing I think from that question you just asked is the, the episode of the Burger Challenge. Mm-hmm. And that challenge I went into with the intent of not grabbing beef. Because I was like, cooking a burger is, is easy. You know, like it's ground meat, it's beef. You can go everywhere and get, and get a burger. So I think I was on, even on the top kitchen, which I had first pick of like some of the prime cuts of meat. But I was like, I want to do something totally different. So I grabbed ground chicken. 
<laughs> which is like a risky thing to do, like you say. Yeah. But I'm like, you know, you think of something, I was like, I want to be creative. And my mind, next level is it being inventive, it's being creative, it's outside of the box. And so I wanted to kind of put my own play on what a burger could be. And that's when yeah. I did the hot chicken um, burger. But I think that's the only episode that sticks out to me the most of where I went in intentionally trying to do something different. Now, since since the show has aired and 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 ran its course, um, has ha, have any or what has been the biggest request? In other words, you get hired for this. They saw that on the show. Has there been something that people are like, we want you to recreate this for ten people, or what? Is there anything that's that's become? I don't want to say your signature dish, but like the hot topic since since you 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 finished the show. My pork barbecue, Korean inspired Kansas City skewers. Oh, oh, oh! Wait, wait. Sorry, Megan Pork. Really? Huh? Look at that. That's she all, makes fun of me because I'm Cuban. That's all you cook. All Cubans eat is pork. You can yum yum foodie. That's all Cubans eat is pork and thank you. Um, and rice and thank yum. you. <laughs> pork, rice, and beans. Jesus, you're the yum yum foodie, <laughs> and I expected more. In there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Well, and and. Now, where did you get the Korean inspiration from? I know, I mean, I know L.A., like, yeah, you know, Megan lives in K-Town. So there's, she's I love it here. To, yeah, you know, she can fart and they smell it at the at the best Korean restaurant a block away. That's how close love everything is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where where did you get your inspiration for that guy in, in that amount of time? I grabbed Gokujang. Okay, yeah. That was it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and. <laughs> no. Now, did you did you preset any scenarios in your mind? Because I know I think to myself, I've been invited on 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 food competition shows, and it is just not for me. Because I know how they'll edit it, and I will come off like the biggest asshole. I have mm-hmm. zero tolerance for bullshit. I just can't. Um, but in my mind, as I'm watching Next Level Chef, I'm like, okay, I would have been in my hotel room. And I would have been strategizing a pork dish, a this dish, a that dish with a couple pork. of blank variables. Listen, Megan, I'm going to drive to K-Town and hit you across the head with that microphone. Uh, please, guys, don't come at me. Pork? I would never do that to Megan. Okay. <laughs> you only hit me with the soft end. No, I know that that that's, words are much stronger. I would just attack her self-esteem constantly. That's all I would do. <laughs> uh, no, but it, did you do any kind of that strategizing before you got on set? You know, before I got on set, I was, um, I brought two books with me. And before I got on set, I was rereading one of my favorite books, which is um, The Subtle Prin- Spiritual Principles for a Laws of Success by Deepak Chopra. Okay. And so that was my pregame. Cool. Yeah. Of just being present in the moment. And that's really how I prepared myself every, every time before we shot. How, how would you check in with yourself? Because I, I, you know, I, I look back on, let's say, projects that I've done where, you know, I, it took me 15 years to start making money uh, doing certain things in, in the TV world, right? And I look back at these moments where you're so involved that you maybe, like, time goes by and you forget it or you're not present. I know you say you meditate, was there anything else besides meditation that you would use to kind of check in with yourself and kind of bask and, and really live in that moment? Like, oh, shit, I'm in Vegas. Oh, shit, there's Gordon Ramsay. Oh, you know, what did you yeah. do? I had so many moments like that. And for me, I had to just keep reminding myself while I was here and then keep reminding me of where I was and what I was doing. Because like you said, it was so surreal, you know, like having Gordon Ramsay like in my face and Chef Naisha and Richard Blaze. Um, it was so it's like, you know, you're there, but it kind of doesn't feel like you're there. Like you're in a dream, yeah. kind of like walking me. And so it was very, very weird. I just had to keep reminding myself of like why I'm here, what the goal is, and to make sure that I make today count because in order for me to reach that goal, I have to get through today. Yeah. So I kind of had the backpedal because if I kept thinking about, oh, $250,000, it was like distracting. Mm-hmm. So I had to be like, okay, what's the challenge today? This is what we have to do this is what you're going to do. Make your best dish. Cause that's just one step closer to get me to that $250,000. I need to learn your, your method and n- not being distracted. You're a pro. I have ADD. Oh, oh my I'm, God. It's crazy. Even I, t- I would talk to my mom every day when I was there and she's like, right. You're so focused. I'm like, I know what's going on. Cause usually I'm like, like, 
in real life outside of the kitchen mm-hmm. like something sparkly and I'm like super distracted I don't know what it is about squirrel cooking, but so yeah exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I that's so, a true story yeah so cooking might be just like a therapy almost for your brain it like puts yeah. you in a state of mind that gets you that I, I I need to do that I need yeah. to find I need to find my thing really yeah, what is your thing you know <laughs> artists, like, drinking you know yeah. oh, well, that's a thing it's a thing drinking and Dotson's drinking and Dotson's that should be your she has a she has a sausage dog that's rambling around somewhere in that apartment uh behind she's sleeping. her she's sleeping oh. unlike my wily beast who is not used to me doing the show inside the house and he's going like bonkers Indy, Indy, can you settle down? Can you say hello to Mariah? Oh my, no, so, he can't. He's a dog. He's listen, a dog, Eddie. Listen, he can hear everything that you're saying right now, and he's very. No, he offended. can't. He's very offended Ugh. at you, Megan. He's gonna bite your ankles when you come visit. I had um, a Dotson for like 18 years. He was such a. <laughs> you're you're giving Megan some hope because her dog is what 13 or 12? 14. 14. Okay, oh, 14. good. My is guy's he 11. Flying yet? No. Okay. She's not anything yet. Like it's okay, it's, good. Good. it's really weird. Like I'm waiting, like I'm looking at her and waiting. Well, that's just because you want to cook her before. Any day now, baby. Know. Yeah, no, <laughs> she's good. All right, I have one last question for the show on my end, and it's a really stupid question, but it made me like every time I watched the show, I was like, okay, how does this work? So when you guys get your key cards to go in the elevators, you have to know if it's going up or down, right? Or do you not know? Do they like swivel you around and surprise you? They do surprise us. Oh my God, how? Tell me. (laughs) So we would put the key card there or whatever. We would never know. Sometimes they'll put us up to the three. I'm surprised they didn't show all the like conversation. And it's funny. I didn't know there were cameras in the elevator till like episode nine. (laughs) You didn't know there were cameras in the bathrooms at Next Level Show? Come on. (laughs) I mean, not in the stalls, but right in the mirrors. Like when you're washing your hands. No No, no. (laughs) <laughs> we were outside and like our bathrooms like outside in trailers like oh yeah like an actual tv set yeah so um, so so go back tell me so tell back, me i need so to know the key card so we would put it up and then the elevator would move but we honestly had no idea sometimes it would stop on three and we're like oh yeah and then it'd go down and like <laughs> oh shit that's like tower of terror but worse they do yeah. they they edit that out pretty well because it just makes it look like you guys don't know if you're going up or down. <laughs> it's right. like oh yeah, we we can tell from the movement for sure uh, where yeah. you're going, but then they <laughs> surprise you on where they drop you. That yeah. makes more sense. Thank you. <laughs> now I can watch with more pleasure. <laughs> well, and it's funny, I was so glad uh that that you ended up with Richard um because I you know, knowing knowing Richard personally and then watching you evolve through the show. Because obviously at, the, at that point in time, you don't know if what the, what the chemistry is going to be like for you to be with XYZ Chef. doesn't matter who it is, right? But your level of creativity and, and Richard to me is just one of the most creative dudes, regardless of food. He's just an extremely creative, witty, and sharp guy. But it felt like um, in, in, you know, whatever, regardless of whatever floor you were on, you and him were very in sync and it was kind of wild to watch because I know how these shows work he's not allowed to help you he's not allowed to you know but you two seemed so connected like on the same wavelength flavor wise and it that's a that's just a rarity um was that something that you you know because you didn't have any choice in who was selecting you and what team you were going to be on um, but was that something or how long did it take for you to realize that you and Blaze were were like on that same wavelength? I think, you know, I'm so glad you said that because I felt that way. And I was like, I wonder if people are like picking up on this because watching it after, you know, as it's airing with everyone else is when I actually saw a lot of the chemistry and a lot of the connection. Um, and I was like, man, like this dude gets me like. I didn't have to explain too much to him. You know, he'll come over and like, oh, what are you doing? And I'll say something up. Oh, yeah. All right. He'll like back away. It was like we had this telepathic understanding of where he trusted what I was doing. And I trusted him as a mentor as well. And it was just kind of a vibe. That, um, that may have been why I connected with you, too, uh, because I worked with Richard on a project and it was different kind of thing. But he and I connected in that way. 
Um, and maybe it was just like seeing that on screen and somebody else experiencing that like same wavelength with somebody is ju- you. I don't know. You get excited to see it. You yeah. get excited to see that it's not like a, fl- a a fluke chance that it's possible and you see people connect. And it was it was awesome. It really was because it was. I don't know. And as I a consumer, it's transparent. To be honest with you, I can pinpoint. I think the moment it happened is when the first episode he was asking me about the steak. I had a tough cut of meat. And he was, I think it was a test. He was testing me to see if I knew what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And he was like, so what are you gonna do with the steak? I'm like, well, I'm gonna slice it against the brain. It's the thick cut of steak, Chef Richard Blaze. And he was like, oh, okay. You know, and I actually made a chimichurri, but what they didn't show was I used blanched spinach. Oh. And he was like, you, you got blanched spinach. What are you gonna do with this? I was like, I think I'm gonna make a chimichurri. And so he's like, okay, you know, and so that's that was the base of my chimichurri. So instead of some, uh, sorry, instead of parsley, you went with the blanched spinach. Got it? Yeah, I don't that's remember. That's what I had from the platform. I'm yeah. telling you, a lot of the, a lot of the ingredients I grabbed, people would be very shocked because when they describe my dish, you would think it was just regular. But what I had in order to do that, you'd be like, oh wow, you know. At the very beginning, they didn't have eggs in the pantry. Um, they had them on the platform grabs, like for the first three episodes. Oh, man. And so I think I made waffles. I was in the basement and Richard Blaze um, came over to me. He's like, right, you're going to make a waffle without an egg. I'm like, I'm just going to add some more oil and emulsify it. He was like, okay. So I did a couple test runs and it came out great, you know, and then after they put eggs, they realized, I guess, eggs were hard to grab from the platform and then eggs were in the pantry. But a lot of the things that I use, I had to be resourceful. I didn't actually use the true ingredients to make well, it people forget too that this you know these kind of shows there's so many moving parts that there yeah. are going to be learning curves not just for the contestants but for the people that create the shows and there's going to be moments where they need to they didn't realize that mm-hmm. shit we need to have eggs constantly available well but you how know, many how many eggs were harmed in this yeah. <laughs> in this endeavor well, i know how many pans caught fire because that shit was constant <laughs> <laughs> but 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 yeah. it's it's funny there's a learning curve to that right. across the board. And, and you know, speaking of learning curve, I, I wanted to ask you, you know, there's three levels to this show. And I don't want to make it all about this show, but I'm, I'm interested as a contestant, what is the advantage and disadvantage of each level, starting at the bottom mm. and going up? Oh, that's a great question. Mm. I would say the disadvantage in the, in the basement kitchen is the, the pans. And dull-ass um, knives. Yes, dull-ass dull knives. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I watched them like, shit, that's a dull-ass knife. Yo, those knives, and Kenny had a knife, and he had grabbed, like, something metal, and he was trying to sharpen a knife on this random... <laughs> I like, like, <laughs> And uh, But yeah, the dull knives and the thin, super thin aluminum pans got super hot quick. Um, Oof, yeah. Those are probably the two big barriers in the basement. The middle kitchen... What was the advantage to the basement? I liked the basement because if you could create a great dish, it just made you that much better because you were in the basement. Agreed. Yeah. I love seeing the basement the whole time. That was my favorite part. I, I love seeing the basement dishes come out on top. That's yeah. what it was like. Yes. I love the basement. Like, it's about your love and what goes into the food, motherfuckers. It's not about just yeah. your equipment. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> you know, when they told, when I, before I saw the basement, I was thinking of the worst case scenario in my mind. And so when I saw the basement, I was like, oh, okay, this isn't that bad. I was like setting myself mm-hmm. up for something like super bad. Yeah. Because I, I was like alone. I watched Naked and Afraid. So I'm like, damn, I'd start a fire. Like, <laughs> like, she was really prepping. You know, I was like just thinking of like, okay, like it's going to be dirt. I'm going to have to like get some sticks. So when I saw a burner, I'm like, this is great. Like, have a you burner. thought it was an episode of Survivor. You're like, shit, I'm going to have to spear some fish. I'm going <laughs> to. That's next, next level, Chef. Yeah. Now they, they're going to do that. They're going to do a like, cross so There's going to be four levels. Bottom yeah. level is total outdoors. That's the caveman, caveman kitchen. Caveman kitchen. Me and A, A, who was on my team, she's from Laos. And we were, when we, the first time. She was time great. Yes, yeah, she was right great. Away, so. And we were in the basement and we got there for the first time. I was like, oh gosh. She's like, yeah, girl, I thought I was going to be, um, she's like, this is nothing. You know, I'm used to cooking in the dirt. I was like, I know. I thought I was going to be barefoot. Like. We're excited. Yeah. <laughs> For real. Like, yeah. Okay, so life now, lesson, now take lower us to the middle kitchen. Oh, okay, middle kitchen. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, but then also sidebar, it depends on what you're used to cooking. I'm sure there are a lot of challenges in the basement, but middle kitchen yeah. was just your basic, your basic home kitchen. Um, nothing, nothing too extravagant. Um, 
the disadvantages, I think it's because it's so safe that I think you can get confused or try to do too much or then you can do too little because you kind of have everything that you need. Okay. Yeah, um, I can see that. The top kitchen, I think, is you could do too much. And I think that was the disadvantage because he had all these gadgets and, you know, so it's like, oh, I'm in a fancy kitchen. I get first pick of ingredients. Let me grab a lobster. Let me do this because I'm in a fancy kitchen. So that could set you up. You know, for failure. I, I mean, I'm having a brain fart, but I can't remember who it was that started sous vide stuff. And I'm like, dude, you have an hour. What the fuck are you sous vide yeah. in an hour? How, first of all, it takes an hour to get the water temperature up to anything in a sous vide to do anything. You know, yeah. like like even if you put, you know, I have hot fucking like the gas, ga, it's a uh, gas heated, so it heats up really relatively quick in my house. But still, putting getting the sous vide up to any temperature that you're trying to break down a protein or any, it's it's going to take a minute. So I'm always like, why are you even touching the sous vide? <laughs> just like, you know why? Cause it's exciting. It's like, you're in the top kitchen. Like I got a sous vide, like I got a sous vide, you know, yeah. I, it's, it, you get distracted. And I think that's one of the re- challenges, you know, why they did that is because depending on your mental state, you just might set yourself up for what, failure. Is, is there a dish that you can think of off the top of your head that you didn't cook that you're like, Oh shit. This is like, this is some baller stuff and I got to step up my game. You know, when you, when you, cause you know, it's easy to be an outsider and then, you know, everything gets ha- not handed to you, but people are, are, they're all <laughs> scrambling to build a car engine with a bunch of parts that they find, right. That they pick and they're trying to put uh-huh. that engine together. But was there one dish that you saw that you were like, Oh fuck. All right. I got to wake up. I got to get two cups of coffee in tomorrow morning. Cause this game on. I think that happened the brunch. I think the brunch episode, the episode okay. I forgot, but uh, Ruel's lobster biscuits. Yeah, those look fire. I yeah. That those were dope. Yeah. Um, I was like, okay, he's, he's making bit Ruel over here making biscuits. All right. You know, <laughs> and that's the episode I forgot. You know, my dish didn't make the platform. So I was still in some kind of way, you oh know. Oh, God. Uh, so after then, I was like, I was like game on. I mean, I was game on going into there, but after that episode, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm there's, there's, I'm taking no hostages. Like, well, which is funny because as a like you know putting on a producer hat and you see a, a chef to who I think you are of that level, you know, have that kind of an error which you do not expect to happen. You're like you're like like chomping at the bit. You're salivating like, oh shit, we're gonna put somebody to the fire. Somebody's gonna have to really step up, and it makes for good TV. Uh, yeah, you know, and it didn't happen to you again because you did not want to be put in that position. I like I, mm, I I'm surprised all of you didn't come out looking like Anderson Cooper by the end of the episode with all gray hair because it was like it's intense. It was so stressful. You know what I mean? So stressful. And I know I'm such a strong person. I can only imagine for someone who is not as strong as me on what they're going. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, how stress it was for me. I can only imagine how it was for someone else who can't handle that much. So um, it was stressful. And yeah, that platform, the whole situation. But when I missed or when I didn't get my dish on the platform in time, I already knew at that moment I was going into elimination. I already knew. Like, yeah, so from that yeah, moment, yeah. I was mentally preparing myself like. This is a huge, like, I messed up big time. Yeah, like, if Gordon missed the platform, he'd be going to elimination. If any three, any of the yeah. three mentors missed the platform, they'd be going yeah. into elimination right. that day. And then they're like, oh, this is your, this is, what a one, top dish? I'm like, damn, they just punch me in my face? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was ready. Like, I was not going home. I, I just, I refused. I was like, I don't care what I have to I'm do. I'm glad they still tasted the dish, though. That makes me happy. I was shocked that that yeah. happened, but yeah. That makes me happy. Uh-oh, Eddie's running away again. <laughs> How was the the sparkling? I need to, I haven't tried that one yet, the sparkling wine. Um, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's it's sparkling wine. Like, I don't think it's anything um super, super Not different. Sweet, dry. Um. It's it's a little sweet. Um, yeah, it's very neutral. I would say. What are you talking about? I don't know if the, the the sparkling wine. You know, it, um, 
I just think it's kind of, we don't have to put this in the show. I can edit it out, but uh, it just feels neutral. Like it doesn't feel like something that's overpowering. It doesn't feel like something that's underwhelming. So no, and but I think it's also the blend because this is like Chardonnay, uh, Chenin and Pinot Noir where Mm -hmm. we're like champagne, at least brew champagne is predominantly Chardonnay based. Uh, So I, I think that like, because like what you're referring to in the neutralness of it is like, it's extremely approachable for everybody. Where yeah. sometimes people get like a brute champagne, even like let's say like a, a popular one like Veuve Clicquot. I have nothing against Veuve, but it, that shit always gives me a headache. There's like mm. there's a and I love it, but it's gonna ruin me. Um, I almost feel like the sugar content is a little bit less on the the bricks or whatever is a little bit less on this guy, uh, and yeah, it's not it feels like it. as dry. Which, uh, which again, I think this probably lends itself to maybe a little bit more versatile food wise. Like, I'm not gonna lie, I would, I would eat Chinese food or some Thai food with this champagne. Ooh. Yeah, I'm okay. hungry. I love, I love sparkling wine with spicy Asian food. Don't, don't ask me why. And I love Pinot Noir with in, Indian food, like like a palate cleanser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it really acts. It, it acts like that for me, uh, mind you. I think I've, I've, I've only accumulated like a third of the bottle so you know megan how, how how far down are you girl it's gone no i'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> i'm about a third we're all there yeah we're all there it's funny because i use the coravin on the red wine so that i don't open the full uh the full bottle because megan and i are, are traveling on like i said we're, we're going to, to wine country and I, i'm not gonna have enough time to i know it's called kill the bottle but shit i gotta like not kill all my brain cells before sure are we? I'm flying out tomorrow morning as well. Where are, Where are you, you going? going? If you can divulge, I don't know if I can. Oh, oh okay, no. that's I'm okay. Gonna I'm gonna be cooking with some amazing people. Um, hopefully, once I'm there, I can find out if I can talk about it. No but, sweat. Nope, it's all good. Yeah. yeah. Is it? Is it? Is it something that's a TV thing or an event or both? N- nothing to do with tv okay got it yeah no 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 so please yeah no don't don't feel like you need to to talk about that i'm what can you say where you're going i'm going to phoenix oh Ooh. phoenix is fun especially yeah. now it's not like you're flying to phoenix in august on an afternoon right like it's supposed to be 80 and here in houston it's been like raining all day high wind warnings like i had to zip tie all the stuff on my balcony so it'd be oh, nice to go to Phoenix for the next week. No. I was just I was just in Austin last week and it was freezing. Uh-huh. Like it was it was freezing. It's was, it was like 40 yesterday. Today it was 75. Yeah, I didn't know how to pack. Well, Megan, <laughs> that's because you were drinking and fell asleep in a walk-in cooler at a restaurant. Did you? No, I'm just bullshitting. I'm just- <laughs> <laughs> or did I? Uh, I don't know. Maybe Sounds like me. That's how she got into <laughs> South by Southwest. She snuck into the kitchen. <laughs> oh, I work here. <laughs> now, uh, where when you were in when you were in California, I know you said you you know you you moved to Houston to pursue that part of your of your career, but mm-hmm. were you did you had you already gone to culinary school when you were in California? No, I went to actually culinary school here in Houston. Okay. Okay. Got mm-hmm. it. Because I was going to ask you, like, if, if there's something, because I always talk to chefs and, and they'll, you know, California chefs. I have a, I have a good friend uh, named Sasha Grumman, who uh, she's the fierce chef on social and she competed on Top Chef. She was a guest on our show and she's, you know, from here in L.A. and she moved to Houston and not her biggest complaint, but the thing that she always misses the most is the produce from California. Mm-hmm. So I'm always I'm always asking chefs, like, what is the thing you miss the most from where you were before. Uh, yeah. Well, I will Sorry. say I'm like two blocks away from the farmer's market. I, oh, I cool. go every walk there, which is awesome. Um, so depending on where you are in the city, I totally get that. Um, I would say the thing I miss the most probably is like all the fresh seafood. Mm. And there's seafood mm. here. I mean, you have catfish, you have oysters, but in California, there was a little bit larger variety. Um, yeah. So I, I miss that. And I also miss a burrito. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, uh, there's Tacos only like, there, you know, but there's I'm, only so it. many like Papa restaurants you can go to that are seafood. Sorry, if you go to Houston, there's like Papa everything. It's yeah. Papa Do's, Papa. It's all the same. And they own like, a I don't know, it's like a Papa Greek, a Papa. And I'm yeah. like, all right, dude, I got you. It's I, I, I get that you're yeah. all owned by the same folks. But one little interesting nugget is I, I remember being in Louisville, Kentucky and I was at, uh, 
shit. It was at the 21 CU Hotel. I think the, the name of the restaurant was maybe like Proof on Main. I, I, the name might be wrong. But anyway, I was, I was really impressed with how fresh the seafood was. Because I was like, I don't want to order this. And they walked over and they're like, no, this shit's fresh. And I'm like, how? Yeah, I'm in Louisville, Kentucky. Like, what, what's, <laughs> what's fresh about here? And they're, like, and they're like, well, anytime you go to a city that has a UPS or a FedEx hub, the fish is going to be fresh. So Louisville, Kentucky, because they're flying it in fresh every single day. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So as a consumer, if I'm not in a seafood town, but I, you know, I can Google, I can find out if, if it's a hub for any one of these major shipping companies, chances are a lot of the seafood is going to be fresh. So I thought that was, that was super interesting. And it changed the way that I order at restaurants from there forward. Yeah, go ahead, Megs. New job. I want to be a flight attendant on that flight. <laughs> Eating raw oysters on the flight from Morro Bay Just saying. Uh, to Louisville, Kentucky. And they don't Kentucky. have to worry about putting me around people. It's easy. That's, 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 that's a valid point, Megs. Uh, oh, I should watch the seafood you and should, eat it. You should watch the seafood. Megs, do you have your, your lovely questions? I do. <laughs> <laughs> I have questions. All right, Mariah. Well, I'm going to ask you questions, and I just want you to just answer them just how you feel, you know? Just go with the flow. There's no wrong answer. Or is there? <laughs> I don't know. All right. I always ask this question. Is cereal a soup? Why or why not? Wait, say it again. I'm sorry. Is cereal a soup? Why or why not? Is cereal a soup? No. Yeah. Absolutely no. Not. Why not? Because it's cereal. There's <laughs> <laughs> a hard stance with no explanation. Yeah. <laughs> No. All right. Um, okay. So what's the best Wi-Fi name you've ever seen? <laughs> Wi-Fi name I've ever seen. Um, like mine is F- undercover FBI van. Because I like to I've freak people that. out around me. I was going to say, you live next to me. I've seen that. There's someone next to me. <laughs> You're like right here. Oh my God. <laughs> like what? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't, I can't think of anything. That's okay. It's so, all just quick. My, my, my friend works in post-production and he'll go and set up uh, post-production editing systems in buildings close to where they make South Park. And all of the Wi-Fi by the building of South Park is named after all of the random characters of South Park, which is kind of amazing. Anyway. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm looking now on the Wi-Fi is next to me and there is FBI surveillance man. <laughs> <laughs> it's on here. Hey, whoever you are, you and I are like-minded, and I like Joe, you. Joe's Apple, Tonda, Omega's Slab. <laughs> People have some weird ones. I love it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so here's one we ask. What's your feeling about pineapple on pizza? Oh, my gosh. I love pineapple on pizza. Good. With with pepperoni, pepperoni, pineapple, some jalapenos. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah! Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That. What's a movie you saw as a child that like scarred you? That like <laughs> thought, like did something to you, and you never forget it. Um, there's a few movies that scarred me. I would say um, one was uh, The Wizard of Oz. It's oh so yeah. Crazy. It's creepy as like hell. Like when you are a kid and when you think about it, like she's all dying, like the witch is dying and these little munch. It's just, it's kind of creepy. The music, <laughs> the colors, it's like almost like psychedelic, like you're on shrooms. Oh yeah, it's that's a great creepy. answer. Yeah. Right? Like Alice in Wonder- Wonderland is kind of creepy. I oh, agree with oh, that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like oh, who, God. who thought of, who's, who's doing that? You know what? Scarred Somebody me on was, mushrooms wrote that. That's, that's why. Wrote that. <laughs> they were on drugs. They wrote that, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's no way yeah. you weren't, unless a five-year-old <laughs> wrote the premise. Like, you had to be high. Yeah. Um, Mortal Kombat, I think I saw very young, like, the very oh. first one. And Finish at the him. beginning, he, like, kills the dude in the beginning with the neck. And I didn't know how that worked or how you died that way because I was that young. Like, it didn't quite click. And I was like, like, that forever will be scarred in my head. Ever. Mortal and, Kombat. Megan, and pull, in, in pull Napa this shit. week, don't go to sleep. <laughs> it's so creepy. 
I was in Pulp Fiction too, because when I first oh. saw it, I wasn't probably old. I probably shouldn't have seen it when I did, and so a certain scene in Pulp Fiction kind of ruined me a little bit. Which scene? Bring out the gimp. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That. That. You know. Th- I saw that when I was in high school, so I remember going to the theater and be like, right. I don't get it. But yeah. I was like, okay. And then I watched. You know, now I've seen the movie at least twenty times, and every time right. I watch it, I catch something else in it. And living in LA, it is kind of fun to 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 see places that you see in movies, you know. Uh, yeah. But I remember watching that in Miami. I was like, "What the fuck is this? Why are people getting so excited about this? Like, I don't understand it." Okay, right. Great soundtrack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. Okay, last one. Uh, what's the weirdest thing a guest has done at your house? <laughs> Um, I had a lot. Of, I got a lot of weird stories. Uh, for context, <laughs> uh, we had Paul Feig on the show, uh, who who directed uh, the the all all female Ghostbusters and the movie Bridesmaids, and he had a party at his house, and somebody shit in his bathtub. Someone shit in his tub. Yeah. What? Anyway, yeah. So so no pressure. But what's the weirdest <laughs> thing? <laughs> I, mean, I can't stop that. I can't stop that. <laughs> Can't. We were both shocked. We yeah, were, both we were like, like, "What, did what? You just Paul? Say? Did, wait, let me clear out my good ear. What'd you say? Did you say someone shit in your tub? That was one hell of a party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes. Um, I can't. Wow, I can't top that. Yeah. Uh, I would say you don't have I to top it. Most <laughs> things happen, and the most recent thing that happened was on New Year's Eve. I was trying to be like this great like host and stuff, and so I got. I had a small little party. So I bought everyone those lanterns that you like make a wish and you put a little thing in and it floats up and it's all beautiful. Oh, that's cute. Right? It's cute, right? Sounds like a great idea. And so we all are like standing out on the balcony like, oh, everyone make your wish and let's do this. And my aunt, she lights hers. No one's ready. We're like, what are you doing? Oh, no, auntie. Oh, no, auntie. No, stop. I don't know what to do. She just throws it and it starts like falling down and there's all these shrubberies on the bottom. Oh, shit. I live kind of high up and we're all watching it fall down. (laughs) The the lantern burst into flames. And we're watching. I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh no. It's like, Mariah, save it. So I run downstairs. I try to grab the lamp before it catches all the bushes on like my whole entire building. Oh no. (laughs) I don't know. Video. I have it on video. So you know, <laughs> like great. Paul may have found a shit in his tub, but nobody burned his building down. So yeah. we almost You're, burned his building down. You know, you maybe I don't know. There is methane in there. Maybe it could have caught fire, but nobody I like did. how she was like, "Sounds like a good idea." <laughs> it was, it was a horrible hindsight. It was a horrible idea because we all been drinking all night and we have lighters and we're just like, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, Every good story starts with lighters and drinking. <laughs> so it, it's funny that this is on a on the podcast, but I would I have I have friends who uh, were were flight attendants, and this is a question I would ask them, and I I often ask it of our guests. You know, last day on Earth, no time restraints, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and I'll let you sneak in like a dessert somewhere else, or I'll let you sneak a cocktail somewhere else. Where are you going you. with no? Well, shit, because I'm gonna fucking sneak a cocktail in somewhere else. Where <laughs> Where are you going in in the world with all your travels of places you've been? Wait, I'm, for so, breakfast, I'm lunch, dinner. Like I could tell you exactly what I'm gonna eat on my last day on Earth if there was no time okay. restraints. What What are you gonna do? Eating at your Eating at your mom's house doesn't count. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. Breakfast. <laughs> okay. Breakfast. Um. Breakfast, I'm going to have to go with France. I like savory. So mm-hmm. give me some bread, some cheese, and I can drink wine for breakfast. Like there. a croque monsieur, croque madame kind of thing? Ooh. I was just thinking just a fresh baguette straight from the bakery. Oh, okay. Cool. Bite it with butter it. on it. Okay. Um, and fresh cheese. Mm. For lunch, um, give me a good burger. One of Actually, one of the best burgers I've ever had was in... The Port of Spain, Trinidad, Trinidad was the best, one of the best burgers I've ever had. Oh, right on. Wow. Yeah. It's kind of, it had a pineapple on it and like slaw. It was so good. Nice. Um, but I, I like that answer. Cause that's not, that's an unexpected answer. Yeah. Hell yeah. And for dinner, I'm going to have to say, take me to Peru and give me, uh-huh. um, 
can't remember the name of it with the French fries, the beef, the onion. Lomo saltado. Saltado. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rice and fried egg. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's funny because it's it's like lomo saltado uh, is such a like basic dish, but it's so fulfilling and so. And, and, you know, a, a little bit off top, but, but it's really funny how there's been an evolution of what would have at some point in time been considered poor people food uh, mm. that is now elevated, you know, uh, whether it's like okra, whether it's lomo saltado, stuff that was never considered upscale is now like, shit, this is some good, like, Mac Daddy stuff that we're going to throw down. Uh, so, so Mariah, for for the folks listening at home, where can we find you? What, where are you on social media? Nothing creepy. No, we don't we don't want to know exactly where you live, but where can folks okay. find you on social media? So you can find me on social media. I underscore am underscore Mariah. I am Mariah. And exciting news: I'm launching a YouTube channel on the 14th of April, 41422. That's going to be like culture, food, and vibes. That- food is influenced by. By the people and by the places, basically. That is, yeah. uh, hell yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's funny because besides being a chef, you also have this wealth of travel experience that you bring to the table. Uh, so if you make a dish that is inspired by a part of the world, chances are you've been there and can speak to it. Where, you know, so many folks can, yeah, they may have been trained in a particular style of cooking, but it's really different when you've been to Thailand or you, you know, you've been to like a a ramen bar in Tokyo where nobody looks at each other and all you hear is like slurping, you know, it really is. It makes a difference in the way you look at ramen uh, for the rest of your life. So I, 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 I'm excited for you that uh, that's awesome. Uh, We end every show the same way. Uh, And well, you can tell when I drank too much because I maybe didn't end the show that way. It happens. Uh, but uh, Mariah, the, the only thing we don't get back in life is time. And Megan and I and our listeners want to thank you so much for spending a little bit of your time with us here on Kill the Bottle. Uh, we invite you to please follow Mariah on social media. Uh, I follow her. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm always, uh, you know, there, there's people that when you watch their social media stuff, they make you smile. Uh, there's people that you fucking mute. And Mariah is not one of those people. Um, well, no, but it, it, it's true. It's true because everything that you He's share muted is, me. It's so genuine. I mean, Megan, there's, so, there's only so much. I'd rather just I'm not. Muted. If I mute you, I know I'm not going to get a call from jail. Or if I get a call, <laughs> I, I, it, you know, it's it makes it more exciting. Um, I really want to thank you for spending a little bit of time with us. Folks, please like, subscribe, follow across the board. Uh Thanks, Mariah. Really means the world to us. And yes. I, what what is next for you be, be, besides your site? What where do you see yourself in a year? I'm gonna be the Black uh, Martha Stewart. Hell yeah! <laughs> Hold on, but Hands okay, on. okay. If if you're the Black Martha Stewart, who's gonna be the White Snoop? Maybe Richard Blaze. I don't know. Oh shit! I can oh. rock that. You know what? I'm not gonna lie. Uh, our dressing rooms were next to each other, and Blaze Blaze likes himself some some like 80s 90s hip hop. So I'm not gonna. I thought you're gonna say 80s 90s weed. I don't know where you were going with that. No, <laughs> no. Bla- Blaze is more 80s 90s golf than he is 80s yeah. 90s weed. Uh, uh, guys, thank you so much. Kill the bottle podcast. Thanks, Mariah. Awesome. 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 Day.